1: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slomans has been a staple in home comfort. Call one oil deal And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.
2: Welcome back to New York Game Day. Here on 98.7 FM New York. Uh I'm Amani Toomer and joined as always by Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, how's your morning been? You been busy?
3: Yes, sir. Good morning. How you doing,
2: Amani? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How do you what do you what are you looking at these games this weekend? Which one do you think is uh one you want to pay close attention to?
3: Yeah, I think it's got to be Miami and uh, Buffalo, you know, two AFC teams that want to win the division. Obviously, Miami is off to this incredible start. Scored 70 last week against Denver, against a very, very good uh, Buffalo Bill defense. Should be a heck of a game. Yeah,
2: it should be. And also, another good game is going to be on Monday night. Uh, and now we're going to go to Jordan Renan. And this is the Renan Report, uh, brought to you by Sun Auto Mall. Jordan, uh what's going on man? How, what's the latest scuttlebutt over uh, uh with the Giants? It's
4: A big game for the Giants. They got, you know, they they lose this one. This is a, another second prime time game at home, right? And uh upcoming is at Miami and at Buffalo, which is on a Sunday night the Buffalo game. So, huge a game of huge importance to the Giants season here. Again, they, they pretty much have to get and they're going to have to do it without Andrew Thomas, and almost certainly without Saquon Barkley as well.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good place to start, Jordan. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Coach Dayball came out and said, hey, you know, I'm not ruling Saquon out. And, you know, obviously he went on and he missed uh, <clears throat> the 49er game, and here we are 14 days later. Apparently he's going to miss the Seattle game. What, what's, uh, what's your thinking on his timeline?
4: Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't going to fall for the old banana in the tailpipe. You know, a little Beverly Hills cop reference right there. <laughs> it, it, look, we've, we've, every time he gets injured, take one market, We talk about how quick a healer he is and how, you know, he, he, you know he, he's this magic healer and he can come back, and Brian Dable said it. He's feeling significantly better, and he's a quick healer, and I get it. Maybe he is, but he's human. And when you suffer a high ankle sprain and you play running back, it's a significant injury because the problem when you have a high ankle sprain, Mike, I'm sure you know this very well and you both actually do. The hard part is making those lateral cuts. And what is like the number one thing for a running back? Making those lateral cuts. So yeah, we saw Saquon Barkley running on the field a little bit this week, you know, running through individual drills, but you didn't see him cutting laterally very much. And that's going to be the the, the dilemma here. The original prognosis was, our timetable was three games. And I think that's kind of you know, we're still in that range. Maybe you can get back next week. I think there's, there's a chance. But that, that's, that's the realistic range. That, Thursday night last week, never a chance. This week, also really not much of a chance. I didn't, I don't, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he took a team rep. So when that happens, you're not playing.
2: Jordan, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the strange situations going on. You got the left tackles hurt. Uh, what's the latest on, uh, on, on the left tackle?
4: Yeah, uh, he basically had a setback. I mean, they didn't want to call it a setback, but when you go out of practice and you don't feel good, and, you, and you, which is what happened with Andrew Thomas on Thursday, and then the next day you can't even go out and go out and, and do like you know individual drills or whatever at anything in practice. So update us uh, on what the injury
2: is. I'm sorry back to interrupt you.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Mm. Remember, remember the the block field goal. Yes, in the first game, mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. Well, on that play. Andrew Thomas took a long time to get up and he hurt his hamstring on the play. Now he trudged through it the rest of the game. Right. But it probably wasn't the best idea in retrospect, because now you're talking about, he told me that actually this earlier in the week that they told him it was an injury that for a skill position guy probably would be a four to six, four to six week injury. Now he's not a skill position guy. He doesn't have to do explosion quite the same way that, you know, a wide receiver or running back would or cornerback, whatever. But, I mean, it's still something, obviously, to worry about. Hamstrings are tricky. They're tough. He tried to, you know, the, the plan was to try to come back this week because he was feeling better the last couple of weeks. But uh, he went out there Thursday, had a little setback, and now, you know, the next few weeks might be in question for him as well. Brian Devil called him week to week. And if we want to list the most indispensable Giants, I think he might be right there at the top. And, not, and he's a great player. He might not be their best player, but they just cannot, you know, fill that role easily because, A, it's hard to get another left tackle. And Josh Zudu's done fine filling in on the left side. But, you know, this is an offensive line that has problems anyway. They need Andrew Thomas. So he's, I mean, if he's not number one on the list of most indispensable Giants, he's in the top three. There's no doubt about it.
3: So along those lines, Jordan, like it just seems like this offense is struggling. No Saquon, no Andrew Thomas, which by the way, I totally agree. You know, it's it's hard to uh win any games without your left tackle and you know, your best player in Saquon Barkley, but where, where does this offense turn Monday night?
4: I think it's going to turn back to Darren Waller, right? I mean, the last game against uh the 49ers, it, there were opportunities there to be made. And I spoke to people about it. They just, it just was one of those games where they thought they were just a little off, right? Uh, this familiarity between the two maybe kind of played a factor in that. The fact that, you know, he, Darren Waller is a new receiver here. Like, those kind of things where it was just off. Like, Daniel Jones admittedly missed some throws, right, to Darren Waller. Like, you maybe want Darren Waller to make that play, but it also wasn't a good throw. Right, there were a couple of highs. That one maybe, probably, definitely dropped one. There was a couple other. They they just just miss. They need those plays to be connected on because they, there's a slim margin for error with this group right now. They don't have an explosive running back at the moment. Their offensive line is, uh, I'm trying to be nice here. If you're trying to be fair, is a question mark, you know, uh, to say the least. So. When the opportunities are there, they need them to be made, and they're going to need to find a way to get Jalen Hyatt involved. I was very surprised last week that they did not get Jalen Hyatt involved more. Uh, Now, granted, they were on defense the whole game. They played 80 snaps on defense. They got got to get off the field. But still, they got to find a way to use Jalen Hyatt because he's a weapon, and uh, they need weapons out on the field offensively because they're second to last in the NFL in points. You know who's last in the NFL in points scored? Jets? Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, so Jets. the Giants and Jets, once again, right at the mm-hmm. bottom of the point-scoring barrel, which is kind of where we've been for the last few years with the two of them down there. I go, you, you know, it's like, can we get some, like, exciting New York football? Like, come on, can we, can we get a couple points? Is that too much to ask for these days? Apparently it is right now.
2: I don't know, Jordan, but... One thing that we do know is that they are very. the New York Giants are very generous with the turnovers, uh, tied for second to last with five turnovers uh, in the NFL, four uh, interceptions, one fumble. Uh, that equals five. What are they saying mm-hmm. about pre- playing? Uh, the, fu- the reason why this team was good last year was they didn't turn the ball over and they didn't commit many penalties. This year, the same team may be improved, but their turnovers are killing them what do they say about this situation that has gotten out of hand with five turnovers in only three games?
4: Yeah, uh, they just talk about execution just overall, just needing to be significantly better. That they're, that they, they believe that that's the biggest problem with this team right now. It's nothing to do with the opposition. It's, all, it's to do, Well, at least 80% of them. I think that's what one of the coaches told me. Like 80% they need to worry about themselves, 20% the opposition. And they just haven't been executing at a high enough level. And also, when you're in trail mode, right, this team is not built to be in trail mode and come back from big deficits, right? This isn't a high scoring team. I just told you, they're the second fewest points in the NFL. They need to play their kind of game flow. And I think this game is probably set up a little more for it than, than uh, previous weeks. This is a lesser Defense, probably, than they faced, uh, I guess, Arizona, you can make the argument. But they've been, they've been pesky, obviously, so what they did with the Cowboys. Uh, but this isn't the 49ers. This isn't the Dallas Cowboy defensive front. Like, this, is, this is a Seattle team that the Giants should have more success against uh, offensively. So, yeah, they have to cut out the turnovers. But how about this, Imani, the flip side? They haven't forced the turnover. So the turnover differentials, whatever, however many turnovers they had, You're going to have to be able to force some turnovers at some point. You're not winning in this league if you're not causing turnovers. You're not. It's a simple fact.
3: Yeah, Jordan, I was just going to go there, you know, going to the other side of the ball. You look at what should be some of their better players, right? Kayvon Thibodeau, he has one sack. Leonard Williams Mm -hmm. just a half a sack. Um, You know, Isaiah Simmons, he flashed when they first got him. You know, very little production. It, It just seems like the players they were going to be counting on they're just not getting – it's certainly showing up like on the tape, but it's also showing up statistically. They're just not impacting the other team's passer. Mm-hmm. And to me, like when you look at Geno Smith, Geno Smith has really played well the last couple of years, you know, seven yards uh, per attempt this year, uh, four touchdowns, just one interception. Like I think this is a tall order for this giant secondary if they don't get pressure.
4: I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think it's always a tall order if you're playing a competent quarterback. If you don't pressure the quarterback in the NFL, you're in trouble. And we saw uh, in that San Francisco game, Wink Martindale basically just said, all right, you know what? We're going to blitz every single play. I think he blitzed on 80-plus percent of the snaps because we don't have a chance if we don't create pressure. Now, in the first half, it worked. Uh, They actually had some opportunities for turnovers. That could have been a way different game um, if they could have made some plays there. There was a couple unlucky breaks for the Giants, even the Leonard Williams uh, penalty for you know, roughing the quarterback. That that that's a tough one. Uh, that that was obviously very costly, uh, and their tackling was terrible. But you know, he decided, well, we're just going to blitz the heck out of Brock Birdie. and it worked in the first half. His, his numbers were bad in the first half against the blitz. But then the San Francisco kind of figured out you can't blitz that much, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to blitz that much, eventually the other team's going to hit some big plays on you, and they're going to figure it out. But that brings us back to the point. Mike, they need to create natural pass rush, and they need their best players to do it. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, they also need, they've talked about this, in order for this defense to be good, they need their better players to play well. That includes Xavier McKinney, who's up to a slow start to the season, Bobby O'Carake, who they, they want like a little bit more out of. Uh, and But if those guys don't produce, like this defense is not going to have a chance. And that really goes for any team, right? If your guys, if your dogs aren't the ones Going out there and doing it, and they're not playing at the level that you expect, you're in trouble, and that's kind of where the defense has been so far.
2: Oh, thanks a lot, Jordan, for uh, for your insight. Boy, that's like uh, Mr. Freaking Happiness today, huh? What happens tomorrow? (coughs) I mean, tomorrow Monday Night Football.
3: Amani, uh, for for our listeners that were in good moods, we'll just bring Jordan on every week. So like this, uh, everyone has a role. We know what <laughs> yeah. you know. Jordan, check. Yeah, Amani uh, comes so on I'm every pick, week, and I'm he predi- picking them. To, I'm picking them to win after all that. By the way, yeah. So I so, gonna, I, so I am well, going to pick I, them to win. You know, I know you know this, but Amani has a contractual obligation to pick the Giants <laughs> each and every week. So that's uh, you not there's no new news with your your game prediction as well. Yeah, they're not going to let you back in. the well, locker room I did not pick them against
4: pick. the the Forty Niners. I'll tell you that much, and I will not wait. pick them against the Buffalo Bills. Lock that, wait. lock that one in too. Yeah, what yeah. about wait,
3: the Dolphins. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, way to go out on the limb. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm just saying, look, I give them no, I give them no shot to win the night, San Francisco. Like literally none. If You said Amani picked them. I, I like those kind of games. That, that's too much for the team to go on the road at this point in prime yeah. time and win.
2: Well, the I always Dolphins, think that if, if nobody picks them, then. Then you pick them and, you know, and y- y- if you win, you look like the genius. If you lose, and <laughs> you say, ah, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, that was brought to you. That's a giant report brought to you by Samsung Auto Mall. Discover the S in Samsung savings. Samsung, Dodge, Ram, uh, Jeep. Uh, they're overstocked with Wrangler 4xe models. And they all must go. Route 1 in New Jersey in Route in Woodbridge, New Jersey, or shop online at samsungjeep.net. All right, now coming up next on Game Day, we'll have Mike's Keys to Victory for the Giants and the Jets.
1: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
1: Now, back to New York game day with Amani Tumor, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Get ready for Amani's Keys to Victory.
5: All right, it is about that time. Uh, Amani Toomer and his uh, his keys to victory. And brought to you by Samsung Auto Mall. So uh, with that being said, let's start first and foremost with the game that's up tonight. That's the Jets going up against Kansas City. Uh, what, what are the keys to victory? What do the Jets you feel absolutely positively need to do in order to pull this monumental upset, Amani?
2: Oh, the Jets' defense is going to have to be special. I mean, they talked about there being the 85 Bears. Let's see it. Bring it. Bring that defense. Force Patrick Mahomes into some uncomfortable situations. Uh, I think they have the mental advantage over the Kansas City Chiefs because of the fact that I hated playing against teams when I knew that there was no real chance that they would beat us. It just made you go in there and feel like you can roll out the footballs and win a game. It never works out that way. I always hated playing against teams that did not scare me on film. So that's one of the things I'm going to say. They have to, uh, they, they have to find a way, this defense, to stand up and be great.
5: All right, as for the Giants taking on the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night, another primetime game, a pick, big turnaround for uh, all those hard workers over there at MetLife Stadium uh, who work overnight to uh, to make that change from green to, to blue. Uh, big shout-out to you guys. What do the Giants need to do in order to, uh, to beat the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night?
2: They need to tackle. I mean, the, the one thing about it yeah. is that they have another game where you have a guy like Debo Samuels. I know there's not a lot of guys like Debo Samuels, but if they can't find a way to bring guys down in the open field, you know, I, I don't know, you know, they have a lot of young players out there in that secondary, and I understand Banks is a young player, but, man, you got to bring them down. And, and you know, allowing the, uh, the third down play where they threw a – it was third and 15 – and they threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to Debo Samuels, and he didn't just get the 15. He added another, He doubled down and got 30. So those types of situations are, are backbreakers for defenses, and the fact that you just can't get off the field it, and, and you get worn down, they have to be able to tackle in the open field and do it consistently on a consistent basis and just play with a little bit more fire.
5: So interesting. Both Giants and Jets offenses have struggled, but the keys to the game for both the Giants and Jets for Omani are on the defensive side. His keys to victory brought to you by Infinity.com. Uh, that's right. Discover more about the luxury and performance of an Infinity QX60 crossover at InfinityUSA.com or visit your local Infinity dealer today it's time for around the league brought to you by Tullamore do Irish whiskey Mike great to uh, hear your voice let's start first things first right we've got a game that is about to kick off in about 10 minutes across the pond it's the Jags going up against the Falcons by the way I like the Jags at minus three minus two and a half if you can find them obviously this is a home away from home Wembley they're three and zero. meanwhile Atlanta they haven't made a lot of trips across the pond Uh Mike as as a former executive your thoughts on the NFL expanding and it's not just in Europe right they're going to be playing in Mexico they're going to be playing in Germany um you know what, what what's the business model in regard to taking the NFL on the road
3: Yeah good to be with you Anita um I would say you know it just follows the dollars you know last year they had one game in journey, Germany the game sold out in 3 hours so fast forward this year we have two games in Germany and there's just immense demand for our sport which is great it's really healthy for it I think the big trick is going to be you know could you ever have a team full-time over there and I think it's a real challenge and you know I think Amani, from a former player perspective could certainly add to this but you know if the three of us were in the marketplace we would be able to determine where and what we want to do right and that first word is, is consequential if you're a uh, good enough and talented enough to leave college football and play in the NFL, there's a lot of people, for whatever reasons, just simply wouldn't want to play in England. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to be outcome determinative to actually having a team there permanently because it's just simply uh, unfair and candidly impractical to have a team there, draft a player, and then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? you got to move to London. So what I think could happen is you could potentially have like a season ticket package of, you know, whatever it is, six games, seven games, eight games, maybe it's two with Jacksonville, um, and then a rotation. I just think it's hard pressed to put a team over there permanently.
2: I think it is hard pressed, but I feel like if there is an uh, economic incentive, so if you, you know, raise their cap or allow an extra you know cost of living bump in each player's salary i think you'll see a lot of players try to do that i i I think um i think that's the only way you get them to do it is is have some sort of incentive uh uh, addendum in the uh uh, in the collective bargaining agreement allowing these players to make more money
5: so players who play over there in london get paid more money
3: right but i but i think it's more fundamental people they may just not want to live there i mean like it you know regardless of, of I you know.
5: I personally I wouldn't want to live there because you know I, I would be I would be depressed all the time because you you barely see the sun so the um, in uh, 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 exactly I would never live I would never live in Seattle uh, <laughs> another big storyline is the Dolphins putting 70 up on Denver uh, Mike uh, embarrassing right for uh, for Sean Payton in that Denver team But now, today, they're up at Orchard Park at the Ralph taking on the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills are only favored by two and a half. I think that's a knee-jerk reaction to this Dolphins team putting 70 up on Denver. Is Denver that bad, or are the Miami Dolphins just that good?
3: I think it's a little bit of both. I think what's fascinating about today is um, Sean McDermott plays 95% uh, split safety defense nickel, and they they have the sixth best uh, pressure rate despite only sending four players more time than anybody else. So the motion that Miami does, Miami leaves the league in, in motion, isn't going to impact Buffalo. They're going to play their zone. They're going to rush with four. And it's going to come down to who can execute better. And candidly, my biggest concern if I'm Buffalo is I'm telling Josh Allen all week, like, look, you're playing the Miami Dolphin defense. You're not playing Tyreek Hill. You're not playing Tua Tongvaloa. Just play the Buffalo Bill offense because – What you don't want to have him do is just go, you know, what happened against the Jets where he feels like he has to go win the game on the next throw because that leads to bad decisions. So, um, you know, credit Miami. They've done a great job to This is really remarkable to his time to throw leads the league. And he's like fourth in the league in yards per attempt. It it almost defies physics.
5: It's uh, Mike McDaniels doing a a real phenomenal job this season uh, and and is favored right now to win coach of the year. Last one for you in regards to around the league, Amani got to make it quick. And that is the bears. So Justin Fields comes out, earlier in the week was asked a question. It sounded, seemed like I say he did throw his coaches under the bus. He then asked the PR department, Hey, I want to talk to, I want to go back. I want to talk to the media. I want to explain. I was not throwing my coaches under the bus. Now shelf that that happened earlier in the week. And then just yesterday, uh, the media is talking to uh, Claypool ask Claypool. Do you feel that the reason that your your stats and your numbers and your your lack of success is because of of the offensive play calls that are coming in and the coaches. And he candidly said yes. Well he's being benched today. He's not starting. He's not playing For the Bears, and they're getting ready to take on the Denver Broncos.
3: Those wide receivers, they always have something to say.
5: Those divas. Those divas. (laughs) Okay, when the quarterback
2: says he has another opportunity to go and finish, uh, fix it. The receiver, they just put him on the bench. But you remember Claypool has a history of this. Remember, you know that's what got him out of Pittsburgh. uh, Him popping off to the media. So this is kind of par for the course when you get uh, a guy like uh, Chase Claypool.
5: One last one, since we do have some time here, uh, Mike. Rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud has not thrown one interception yet in three games. Granted, he's taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers today. We'll see if that changes. I know Bryce Young didn't play last week, but we've got a solid sample size. And Anthony Richardson didn't play last week because of the concussion. But again, a solid sample size. Based on the rookie performance of the quarterbacks so far this season, who has impressed you the most?
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. It has to be CJ Stroud, three games, 906 yards. He's the only one that's been able to actually answer the bell. I mean, part of playing quarterback in the NFL is being available every week. And um, again, I've said it all year long. What is the rush to play these rookies? You know, it's a hard position. What is the rush? And, you know, including learning how to protect yourself. And, um, you know, you hope that Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson have long and successful careers. But you watched that Seattle game last week. Carol, carolina's offense looked dramatically better with andy dalton now look mm. that's not saying i'd rather have andy dalton than bryce young obviously but it just illustrates the point like let's give these guys a couple minutes to get settled
2: hey, the exact same Absolutely. thing with colt with the colts when you're talking about um hunter uh, uh, Minshew. Gardner Be- Minshew beating
5: Minshew, beating the Baltimore ravens again guys Rap League brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Make sure to grab a Tullamore Dew during today's action and and a reminder and remember when it's Tully time, uh, it's game time. So make sure you do that. We got Rich Samini, who covers the Jets, who's going to be joining us next. Again, big news. Not only is Taylor Swift going to be in the, in, in the stands, in the suite, but also uh, reports are Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the sideline uh, being Zach Wilson's cheerleader. Will that make a difference? We'll hear from Rich Samini next, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Now, back to New York game day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks.
2: Welcome back to Game Day here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And now it's time for the Rich Sumini Report, excuse me, brought to you by London Jewelers. Hey, Rich, how you doing?
6: Good morning. Thanks for good to be with you guys again.
2: Good. To, got a big game tonight. Yeah, big game tonight. Everybody's talking about Zach Wilson. Everybody's talking about the offense, but let's get into this defense. The fact that they, you know, said that they were going to be the eighty-five Bears, and they have not been. Uh, what is the defense going to have to do to kind of hold their end of the bargain while they're trying to figure it out? What's going on uh, on the offensive side of the ball?
6: Uh, You're exactly right. I mean, clearly they have not been anything close to the 85 Bears. I think they've done a a good job in two out of the three games, but with the Dallas game being the exception, but not good enough, obviously. I know they hold themselves to a higher standard. And I think, you know, I was talking to D.J. Reed about this the other day, and, you know, I had heard there's some tension on the defense and, you know, just because of the lack of productivity out of the quarterback position. And I asked him about frustration and he goes. I wouldn't use the word frustration. He goes, but uh, you know, we do need to be a complementary football team, which is another way of saying, yeah, we need more offense to help <laughs> us out to be to be a dominant defense. And I thought those were really interesting comments, which I wrote about this morning. Um, but yeah, so it's going to take a lot tonight. Obviously, Mahomes is incredible. Uh, in their last thirty-two games, the Chiefs have been held only uh, under twenty twice out of those thirty-two games. So they're going to put up points. I think the Jets have to try to limit the explosive plays. Travis Kelsey is going to be a huge challenge for the Jets. He's just incredible over the middle between the hashes. I don't know how the Jets are going to cover him. You know, there's been some talk that maybe they would use Sauce Gardner on him just because of Sauce's size to deal with Kelsey. That'll be one of the uh, things to watch tonight.
3: Hey, Rich, uh, I'd like to air some grievances here. You know, I feel like we're a little bit of Seinfeld. And, you know, you you hear a lot about about how – well, Aaron Rodgers will be back on the sidelines or he can help calm down Zach Wilson. Like, that is a million miles away from any responsibility that Aaron Rodgers has. Aaron Rodgers' job is to play the quarterback position and in this case, unfortunately, you know, get healthy. And it's the coach's job to get the players ready to go. And so much has been made of like, oh, well, he'll be better because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is back Like, I, I think that's absurd. I really do. Like, that's why you have coaches. Um, and yeah. to me, like, all this narrative out there about how he can help, I think is, is, is complete BS. I, I've been there, and that's just not true. Like, do you want leadership from your players? Yeah, of course you do. But Aaron Rodgers isn't in charge of getting Zach Wilson ready. That's that's the coach's job.
6: Yeah, Mike, we actually agreed on something here. So uh, <laughs> you're, pre- you're preaching to the choir on that. Look, he showed up yesterday. He got cleared. He flew cross country. He went to the team meeting last night. Uh, You know, I'm sure the players loved seeing him. But he's not going to be on the field. I mean, for safety reasons, you can't put an injured player on the field. He's not going to have a headset because there's only a limited number of headsets you're allowed. So it's not like he's going to be up in his booth, you know, whispering all this knowledge into Zach Wilson's ear. You're absolutely right. You know, it's the coach's job to coach during the game. Now, maybe during the week. Can Rodgers, you know, in the film room, lend a couple of tips to Wilson? Yeah, he probably can. I think Rodgers' greatest impact by being back with the team will probably just having the leadership and, and, like, you know, telling the players what he said on McAfee the other day stop pointing fingers, you know, stop blaming each other, and let's stay together. It's a long season. I think him being present will. And reinforce that message, but in terms of helping an individual player like Zach Wilson, I I agree with you, Mike. I I don't think he's going to have much of a benefit during the game.
2: I'll tell you, Rich. I used to hate when when players that were hurt would come by and they try to give you pep tops, pep pep talks. I I just hated it because I'm like, dude, you're not on. You don't know what's going on anymore. You've been gone for a couple weeks easy you know what I mean <laughs> like just relax yeah. well
6: that's an interesting um, that's an interesting perspective from a, from a former player that's that's interesting
2: yeah it was it was just kind of like I, I get what you're trying to do but like you know about as much of what's going on as the media does maybe you have a little more insight but like we're in the trenches we have these conversations and, and I understand what his point is and what he's trying to do but this is a guy who's only been on the Jets for you know a limit he only played float four snaps for the Jets in one off season. Like how much um, could his words? Uh, I don't think his words play much of a role in what's going on in this in, with the fan base. I don't pay much of his words go on with what happened with um, with the with the actual team on the field. But uh, a lot of people are, are are giving Aaron Rodgers credit or, or expect that he's going to do something, and I I just really can't see it. But looking at uh, the what's going on on the sideline, that's what I want to make more of. What are the yeah. Jets saying about the frustration that seems to be bubbling over uh, week every week since uh, the offense seems to struggle and the defense is now starting to show some fissures?
6: Yeah, I, I spoke to a, a few players this week on both sides of the ball, and they were unanimous in saying that that can't happen. That's it's a it's a bad look. It's a bad energy. Uh, you you got to try to control yourself on the sideline. Um, it's just it just sends the wrong message. Now I. Sometimes things get blown out of proportion, like that Garrett Wilson thing with Wilson and and Hackett on the sideline last week. Um, from what I was told, you know, he wasn't really yelling at them. He was <laughs> actually—it's really,
2: kind of like well, both are. he was, our he bikes, was very animated. I mean? like-
6: <laughs> well. He was—he was animated for sure. But from what I was told, he was like encouraging Zach in that moment. And okay. uh, it wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't saying like you suck. You got to get me the ball. <laughs> I think he was saying, from what I was told by people who were there, uh-huh. he was saying encouraging things. But okay. he was just doing it in a very animated fashion that comes off the wrong way. Hmm. So, but you're you're absolutely right. And even Rogers said that on the McAfee show. He's like, we gotta we gotta calm down and stop. Uh, you, know, he, I think he used the word grow up. You know, we gotta grow up a little bit. And uh, there's no doubt about it because it creates the the image of dysfunction and that's not the way you want to be portrayed.
3: Rich, you know, I think we're sort of burying the lead. I I did the game last week with uh, Steve Levy and it's inconceivable to me how they have not benched Zach Wilson. And, you know, Imani knows this. We all know it's been around the game. You know, football is like the ultimate meritocracy and everybody else is being held accountable and the frustration from Garrett Wilson or whomever, and even if... You know, the players aren't saying it out loud. They're all thinking the same. Like, you know, we're seeing people get benched all over the NFL every week, playtime. Like, it's the most competitive sport on the planet. And one guy is not being held accountable. Like, call it what it is. He is not being held accountable. And that's not okay. And I think Robert Sala is really uh, putting himself in jeopardy of losing the locker room. And I can't understand how they keep playing a player that when you just cut through all the noise – the Achilles, the system, the whatever, he's just not good enough. And if you want to see one play, go watch the safety. There were two players that were wide open on a checkdown. And in the NFL, like part of being a good quarterback is getting through your progressions, knowing where you are on the field, knowing like when you can get rid of it, when you can hold it, when you have max protection, when you're hot. Like playing quarterbacks really, really hard. He's just not good at it.
6: Well, you know, if you want to talk about specific plays, uh, Wilson actually mentioned this the other day, and I thought it was interesting. The Second play of the game that you remember, they, they lost six yards on a run to Brees Hall, and it was just <laughs> no—the safety wasn't even blocked. He just came flying in, and so Wilson was asked about that play this week, and it was actually supposed to be a quarterback keeper, but he saw something in the defense and he checked to a running play, but he had, he ran into right into this the strength of the defense and he admitted it was a bad check and he just ran out of time on the play clock and he just checked to the first play that popped into his head. And he admitted later that it was just a bad check and Brees Hall had no chance. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is there, that's not going to happen. He's going to know exactly what to do, but getting to your point. um, Yeah. I mean, he hasn't performed the position well enough to stay in the lineup, Mike, but what's their option? I mean, you're going to start Tim Boyle. I mean, he's essentially a practice squad player uh, so I think now going forward, they have the Trevor Simeon option, which isn't, you know, a very attractive option either, but at least he started in the league. And if Wilson has another like zero performance today, then maybe they consider a change next week. But, uh, I don't blame Salah for not making a change to this point because they really haven't had another great option up until this point, which starts another conversation, right? It's like, why didn't they have a better option? But, that's an entirely
2: different conversation. Yeah, one of the matchups I want to look at also is the offensive line and how you know the the Chiefs' offensive line have been you know the great in blocking uh, last couple uh, this season and now you have Quentin Williams who has had six sacks over the last three games. Um, that's a matchup that I want to see. Uh, what, what say you about this type of matchup and what are the uh, the, the the Jets? Defense. How are they looking to exploit and move uh, Patrick Mahomes off his spot uh, with pressure from the inside?
6: Yeah, I mean uh, that offensive line is really good in Kansas City. The Jet players are really talking up the center this week. You know Humphrey, and it's a good offensive line. Juwan Taylor is a penalty machine, though, so keep an eye on that at tackle. He's he's got a ton of penalties this year. I think he might lead the league if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, the Jet defensive line. It's been interesting because they haven't had a ton of sacks. Like last week, they had a lot of pressures. I think Quinn and Williams had six or seven pressures last week, but they haven't been able to get the sacks. Part of it is, you know, game situation. They really haven't had a lot of pass rushing situations. They haven't been really leading in any games, so they haven't had a chance to tee off. But uh, I think... You know, I'm I'm very curious to see, you know, Carl Lawson's playing time has been way down the last couple of weeks. Now they're saying it's because of his back injury as he's getting his legs under him. But, you know, you could see more of Lawson. They haven't really used Will McDonald at all. Their number one pick, you know, he's supposed to be a, a pass rushing specialist. He's only playing about a dozen snaps a game. I'd like to see him get a little bit more time, maybe add some, some extra explosiveness on the edge but um, yeah, I mean the, the Jets are going into this game. I think also respecting Kansas City's running game, which maybe wasn't the case in past years. Mm. But I know from talking to players and coaches, they have a lot of respect for that running game as well.
2: Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. No, I said that they had six sacks all season. I'm sorry, they have Quentin had six sacks. No, he hasn't. Had, he's looking for his first uh, his first sack. He's uh, the the team. The Jets have six sacks, so that's kind of
6: yeah. What Quinn, I, I know to clean Quinn that and, up about.
2: Um, Yeah. But, uh, so looking at this, um, you know, talking about stopping the run, talking about Isaiah Pachenko, uh what are some of the things that they have uh, that they've been talking about besides how good the center is? Uh, and then, you know, you also have Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey. What are some of their keys today they, that, they, that the Jets think that they're going to need to to try and slow down this high powered offense?
6: One of the interesting mattress, uh, my the Jets, we know they're a zone defense, basically. They play zone about 65% of the time, and they're really good at it. They're actually the number one over the last year-plus. You know, They've held teams to the lowest quarterback rating in the league with their zone defense. But here you have Patrick Mahomes. He's the number one quarterback in the league when facing zone defenses. So it's strength on strength. Uh, I don't think Kansas City has great receivers. I don't think that's exactly it. Earth-shattering statement, it's Kelsey, that's the problem. So how are you going to cover Kelsey? I think that has to be the number one priority you want to try to, like Belichick always does. He always takes away the other team's top weapon. Well, how are the Jets going to take away Travis Kelsey? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if in, in red zone situations you see Gardner on, on Kelsey. You may recall in the Baltimore game last year, they used Gardner on uh, Andrews, the tight end for Baltimore, in the red zone. And it worked. He did a really good job on on Mark Andrews. So, I think I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you see some uh, Gardner and Kelsey, which would be a great matchup.
3: But Rich, at the end of the day, like you know, last week, like it seemed like with the weather, uh, the way New England's been playing on offense, it was going to be a, a low-scoring game, and you know that's what it was. But I just don't see a scenario. How, how do the Jets win this game? <laughs>
6: Uh, well, I, you know, obviously I'm picking the chiefs in this game. I mean, their defense is just going to have to play lights out. And the thing is, it's going to have to be, they need takeaways. I mean, they, in the last 11 games, the jets have gone eight games without getting a takeaway in the last 11 games going back to last year. I mean, they're going to have to get multiple takeaways in this game. They're going to have to just get more possessions. And so that means getting more pressure on the quarterback, maybe, uh, you know, being more disruptive because if they don't steal the ball a couple of times, they're not going to win the game. And so that's how you do it. And the other way you do it is you're just going to have to get this running game uh, going. We haven't even talked about that. Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook last week shut down again the last two weeks with their running game has just been abysmal. And uh, those would be the two ways they can do it, by controlling the clock with the running game and also getting getting the ball away from them on defense.
2: Yeah, defensive tackle Chris Jones is another uh, thing that the Jets are going to have to deal with. Um what are what have they been talking about in ways to try and slow him down from just totally destroying the uh Jets running game, the Jets uh passing game, the Jets whole the entire offense.
6: Yeah, he's you know, he and Quentin Williams are two of the best defensive tackles in the league. They're actually pretty good friends. They work out together in the offseason. And I know Quentin uh, gives Chris Jones a lot of credit for what he's been able to do in his career. But, you know, now they got to block the guy. And, you know, the jet offensive line in terms of run blocking has been poor the last couple of games. So it's going to be on that interior. You know, you got McGovern at center. You know, you got rookie, Pittman, at right guard who is going to see a lot of Chris Jones, I would suspect. So that's a, that's a major, major issue for the Jets, um, you know, with Tippman there. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I, I'd feel more comfortable if uh, Elijah Vera Tucker were playing guard, but, you know, they reconfigured their offensive line last week, and I think it's going to be the same this week. So it's Tippman and Tomlinson at guard, and Tomlinson hasn't had a great year either, so th- it's going to be a massive help. So they're going to probably have to do some double teaming there for sure and hope their tackles Becton and their Tucker can hold up, uh, you know, in man to man.
3: Rich, the, um, going back to Trevor Simeon and, and Zach Wilson, do, do you think this Kirk Cousins thing or any other possibility realistically is out there for them? From,
6: from what I've been told, Mike, I, I don't think so. They're not even thinking of that right now. And I know jet fans are probably heads are probably exploding when they hear that, but you know, they've, you know, there's issues. You know, there's compensation, and right now, I wrote about this this morning. The Jets don't have total control of their number one pick next year because of the Rodgers trade. So um, that's still like it's a conditional situation, and they'd have to do some contingencies if they were to trade that pick. So there's the compensation. There's also the money. You know, the, you know, the Jets don't see themselves as having enough cap room to do it. There's also the fact that it's just cash. I mean, they've already. They're already spending like over 40, probably close to 50 million on the quarterback position this year between uh, Wilson and Rodgers, and the sense is that they may not want to spend a lot more. So I would say the chances of making a move for Cousins are uh, unlikely at this point. You know, they have until October 31st before the deadline, but I think what their plan is now is to roll with uh, Wilson and Trevor Simeon as their top two guys.
2: Wow, that's that's a, that's a, that's a grim. Yeah, I mean it's it's Oof. it's grim
6: and it, but like what's out there right now? You know, there's not there's not a lot out there. Kaepernick? And I don't think that <laughs> yeah, well, he, we know he did write a letter to the Jets, but uh yeah, I mean there's not a lot out there. It goes yeah. back to the issue of, you know, should they have made Wilson the backup in the offseason? You know, they yeah. should have probably had a better a better backup plan back in March and April. Yeah.
2: No, I agree with you. I think they should have had a better backup plan. They should have um, put uh, a veteran of any type that has played in the NFL so that if this situation were to happen, uh, the Jets would be prepared. seems like they got caught with their pants down. Uh, But thanks a lot. Uh, That's uh, the Rich Samini report. Uh, Thanks, Rich.
6: All right, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, that's the Rich Semeni Report brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. Visit them at any of their seven locations, including Short Hills, or shop online at LondonJewelers.com. And uh, right now, right now we have, uh, to ha- we're going to hand things off to Anita, who spoke with Jen Mueller from the Seattle Seahawks broadcast team, about what to expect from Seattle tomorrow night.
5: Amani, thanks so much. Uh, I, I want to bring in a dear friend of mine, Jen Mueller, uh, from uh, from Seattle. She's part of the Seattle Seahawks broadcast team. She's been covering them for quite a while. Uh, just to give us a little sneak peek, a preview, heading into Monday night. So, Jen, first things first, uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks team is uh, pretty damn good, right? Let's start f- focusing on their defense and the fact that they're getting Jamal Adams back this week. Yeah, and that run defense, boy, that
0: was... That was a mess last year. Uh, that, was, that was the thing that they went into the offseason wanting to fix. Bringing Bobby Wagner back helps. And now having Jamal Adams back there as a short tackler and as a guy who hasn't hit anybody in 13 months, um, I can tell you he is juiced up to do that on Monday night. But it also opens up just a lot of possibilities. There's been so much conversation about what it would look like to have him on the field. I honestly forgot how big he looked in pads until I saw him on the practice field last week because it had been so long since that had happened. So now you have Jamal Adams. You've got Julian Love, the former Giant. You've got Quandre Diggs back at safety. Reek Woolen should be back at corner. And you've got Devin Witherspoon. That secondary, they are going to be beasts. And you combine that with what they've already done to stop the run. 2.9 yards per rush is one of the best in the league. Um, I, I, I like I like what's happening, and there's a hobbled Saquon Barkley if he's going to play on on Monday.
5: Yeah, I, I just I personally don't believe that he's going to play. And again, I, I don't know anything. Uh, I know right now it's being reported he's going to be a game time decision. I, and by the way, shout out to the individual who uh, who hit me up on Twitter. You're absolutely right. It's Miami and the Bills, not Miami and Dallas, who are the next two games on the road for the for, for the Giants. And I think possibly. If if I'm the Giants, I'm feeling like, man, I'd rather have like a close to 100% Saquon Barkley for those two road games. Uh, Because here's the thing, Jen. Um, This is a Seattle Seahawks offense that is giving up, or defense, I should say. It's giving up 17 plays of 20 yards or more. Uh, You can move the chains on Seattle. They are ranked 31st on allowing third down conversions the Giants uh-huh. are tw- the Giants are 29th in allowing third down conversions I just I think this is going to be a lot of Danny Dimes um gripping it and ripping it I think we're going to see a lot of passing I think they're going to try to get these these you know long explosive passing plays I think we're going to see Jalen Hyatt in the game I like the over here I like the over of 47 I think a lot of points are going to be put up in this game on Monday night what say you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, But I would also say like those explosive plays. Now, imagine what happens if you're playing
0: a heavy nickel package and you've got Jamal Adams in there. I I think that that makes a little bit of a difference there. Some of those yards and explosives for the Seahawks, it's a little bit deceiving. The Rams just tore them up on week one, and then you've had teams having to play catch-up or you know, Detroit, that's just a shootout and it's just a little bit different feel. But you're right. They have been terrible on third down. Unless they can solve that problem, there's going to be points on the board and somebody is going to have to make some stops late. Again, that's where I like having Jamal Adams back there because you just don't know where he's going to be coming from.
5: Uh, before we let you go, uh, let's let's look big picture here in regard to uh, the Seattle Seahawks division. I actually, Jen, yep. I, I actually picked Seattle to win the division over the 49ers, Uh and, and I think, you know, it's gonna become tough sledding for them. Uh they have one of the most difficult schedules still remaining in the NFL and as we get into I think I wanna say I-, I read this between week twelve and, and and the end of the season, they have a negative twelve day rest uh against their opponents i just think that things are going to start getting difficult for them we're already hearing that debo samuel potentially might not play this week um and i think seattle is better than what we've seen so and the rams have surprised me arizona beating dallas last week your your thoughts on on this division it is always going to be a dog
0: fight in this division i, I mean I, I agree the rams and the uh and the cardinals you, they're surprising but also you kind of know what they are the niners man i just i don't put anything past them with the way their team is coached and with the way they draw up plays anytime you play the rams and the niners i mean that's just oh, man it's frustrating because the teams know each other so well they are so well coached and the play designs they're just really hard to stop i think it could actually favor seattle that you know you're playing those teams later um We've got an early buy, which I think is going to help a little bit with some of those injuries and get guys cleaned up here in the next week or so. But uh, I I think it's going to end up to be a dogfight between Seattle and the 49ers late.
5: Jen, you rock, as always. So great to hear your voice. And please know how much uh, we appreciate your time here on 98.7 ESPN. Absolutely. Always love talking to you, gal. Jen, really do appreciate it. Amani, and of course, Mike, hang tight. Quick break. We come back New York Game Day right here on 98.7 ESPN. Still a lot more analysis coming your way, getting you ready for that primetime game, Kansas City and the Jets, as well as more talk and discussion on the Giants and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
1: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.